It is no secret that teacher evaluation systems are less than effective in supporting professional growth. Faculty want feedback, and yet tired policies and lack of imagination can prevent leaders from seeing what's possible. In this episode of Read by Example, I talk with Matt Cormier, a principal in Jefferson County Public Schools in Colorado, about his unique approach to teacher supervision. It is teacher-driven, aligned with mutual goals, and focused on improvement instead of only evaluation. Hey, Matt. Um, thanks for joining me today. And we've spoke before about just this unique approach you have to staff supervision and evaluation. And so I asked if we could connect again and just kind of lay it out and just think about how this might work for teachers and, and you. And um, anyway, it's quite different, but can you just explain just your staff supervision and evaluation approach and, and what is it and, and why did you move toward it? So I would definitely say the the theme of the approach is that my feedback to teachers is not about the lesson I just watched. It's not about today. The, the focus is really about tomorrow. Um, that's one of kind of the, the you've got to go in with that mindset uh, that, it, that it isn't about what you just saw. It's about what the teacher will do with feedback and, and, and what tomorrow might look like. Um, the other thing too, I think foundationally, I, I have to say, I would never use this process with somebody I didn't know or somebody that I was concerned about their performance. Um, I, I don't believe um, that, that that's the right direction to go. With folks that you don't know, I think that it's important to have, uh, to utilize the formal process that's been approved by the school district and by the association. Um, and and I, th I think that's that's key. And for somebody who you're concerned about their performance, I think that you have to follow that as well. Um, now, you know, my situation, like many others, I'm, I have a, a stable um, staff. Some of the folks that I'm working with, I've worked with the entire time I've been here. So this is my seventh year. And as I kind of reflected last year about their performance, I could go down the list of my staff and say, at the end of the year, my guess is this staff member will end up as effective. This staff member will end up as highly effective. Just I, I know them. I've you know, worked with them long enough to know that would be the case. Um, and so it, you know, if it kind of felt like that the the structure that we had in place was going to lead to that ending that maybe there was an opportunity for a different structure something something that felt different to everybody so um i guess i would say that one of the pieces um of this process is that you i still need to do what the school district says that i have to do um which is uh, have a formal observation of every teacher by the end of semester one. Um, and for people who are probationary, I have to have two formal observations by the end of the year. And so the way that I do that is they self-evaluate their work 
against the 23 indicators in the school district and um, they submit their self-evaluation to me of those 23 indicators. And generally I, I asked for that to be done by Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then between Labor Day and the end of September, I take their ratings from their self-evaluation. I put them in the formal observation document. I take a look and, and I compare how they rated themselves against their most recent evaluation that I did using that those 23 uh, uh, indicators. And I say, does this align with what I know about this person? Does this make sense? And if it does, I send them back their formal document. I say, this looks good to me. You, does it look good to you? Let's have a meeting. So in that meeting, the meeting is, um, it can be a long meeting, but not about the formal, the fall observation. The, the, the conversation about the fall, the fall formal goes like this. Hey, uh, do you agree with all these ratings in here? Yeah, you do? All right, that sounds good. Would you sign the document for me? Okay, sign the document. Now let's talk about what do you want to get better at? Because if I'm going to come into your room, say I'm going to come into your room six times, seven times this year, and I can look for whatever you want, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to then look for research that backs up what you're doing. What do you want me to look for? What is it you want me to pay attention to? And that's where the length of the conversation happens for folks in the fall. So basically, one of the things I love about this is I'm done with everybody's fall formal document by the end of September. There's no problem, nobody worrying about whether I've got my documents done at the school district, they're done. Um, I probably could do everybody at this point, I could do everybody's spring formal if I needed to do it for the probationary folks. Um, and honestly, um, I could start to work on the finals uh, evaluations right now too, because I'm just literally gonna take the fall formal ratings and put it into the final document and have a very similar conversation in. Um, uh, April. Hey, do you agree with all these ratings? You do? All right. Now let's talk about the other things. You told mm-hmm. me you wanted to get better at this. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of, that, that's how I say part of it is understanding that what I do is get what is required of me by the school district done very soon, very, very quickly, so that I can engage in this process of writing letters of reflection after doing observations, um, which leads me to my next key piece here, which is when I write a letter of reflection, I am making sure that there is alignment between a teacher's philosophical beliefs about education and who they are as a teacher. So there's alignment between their beliefs with actually what they're doing. The teacher moves that I notice in class And then I match that with research. So those three pieces. So we got to take one step back because in August, when all teachers come back, I asked teachers to write me a context letter. And the context letter is filled with their beliefs about what it means to be a teacher, their beliefs about good teaching and why, what gets them out of bed in the morning? Why do they choose to do this job? Um, And so everybody is asked to write that uh, and submit that to me before Labor Day. Um, So they have that. And then as I go into, I reread everybody's context letter every time that I go. 
every single time I read the context letter, I talk and say, these are the teacher moves that I noticed. And here's the research that um, backs you up. This is what the researchers say. And generally, I look for opportunities to, to look for the things that they ask me to look for. There's a real shift in the power dynamic uh, when you have teachers self-assessing and telling you what you want, what they want you to look for. Um, did you have any initial concerns uh, as you shifted to this approach? You know, you're you're releasing some of that. I wouldn't say authority, but you're you're just sharing that, sharing it, I guess, more than than anything. Yeah, I mean, I think that there were, I think there were concerns both from teachers and for me. The biggest concern for teachers was sitting down and writing a context letter. It's almost like I, I, I would say to them, like, literally, wake up before the house wakes up, get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, sit down and write your beliefs about being a teacher. When you're done, you will say that was the greatest time you spent because nobody's asked you to do that in a long time. And it feels good to try to reflect on who you are why this matters to you but teachers were nervous they were nervous about it and they said you know you're gonna you're gonna uh, check my spelling and grammar you're gonna <laughs> check it out to know why i just want your thoughts so right. you know in hindsight i think i probably should like give a devoted time and say i'm serving you the tea and coffee now now we're gonna now we're gonna sit and you're gonna there do you this go. incredible thing for me i think the toughest thing was the idea that you know everybody delivers a train wreck of a lesson. And there are times where I've gone in to go through this new process and write a letter of reflection and it's a train wreck. And, and, and I know it and I'm hoping to God the teacher knows it too. Because if the teacher knows it, the teacher looks at me and says, oh my Lord, then I then I feel great. Then I feel great. Like, like yeah, that was just not, that thing thinks nothing went the way you wanted it to go or your, your the, the moves felt awkward today. Um, and if the teacher could just say to me, oh Lord, do over please, um, then I would feel so much better. Because a lot of times I have this piece of where I'm actually wondering, do they know it was a train wreck? Because in the process that I undergo, I don't sit there and go, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That was a train wreck. Instead, I look at the positive pieces. Um, and so it, it does become hard, you know, when you, you want to say like, hey, I think that was in your blind spot. Like you missed a great opportunity there to like create a letter that might give that feedback. But also makes the teacher want to get up the next day and do this again that doesn't because teachers pour so much of who they are personally into their work that sometimes uh, feedback about their work feels like feedback about them well, so they never do these yeah they never um in the traditional approach they're not asking for feedback it's just something you have to do and when they write that context letter and, and then say, this is what I want you to look for, the, it really shifts and the feedback becomes something that they want and versus something they're going to get. Um, I, I like reading your context letter, a very interesting history. Um, and you're very uh, open about your history and your philosophy and 
you know, approaching that, being vulnerable with them, I'm sure helped them craft their own letters and feel okay about it. And you mentioned that you read their context letters. Um, how else do you use that when you go into classrooms and give them the, um, the reflection letter itself? I often will think through because the idea is to try to match their beliefs with the teaching moves. Um, and so sometimes I've, you know, read the context letter before I go in and, and I think I know I'm going to pull out these beliefs, but then I'll actually um, observe something and be able to go back and say, wait a second, I remember seeing that and then pull out another component there where you're just, and, and I'll write sometimes in the section where I write about teacher moves, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to match your move to research, I'm not going to tell you which researcher has got your back, but I'm going to tell you that your belief system has your back. You know, when, when you say you want to do right by all kids, and then I noticed that you made an adjustment in the lesson at the moment because you were clearly teaching to one group of kids and, and you noticed it. And in the moment you said, wait a second, I got to adjust something right here. Then I want, you know, that's a point where when I write about that teaching move, I will say, and your that, that is so aligned with your belief system. The other thing I, I love about the context letter is, you know, it says, I see you. I see who you are as a person. Um, I see who you are as an, as an educator. Because often teachers will, will share with me personal stories in their context letter. You know, what gets them out of bed in the morning might be an experience that they had as a, as a young person. You know, think of the, um, thank you, Mr. Faulkner, a Patricia Pellaco book, right? That a lot of teachers have have that book, their own book written, and they might share something with me, and then you can see them treat another kid in the way that they were treated, and to say, "Look, look at how you believe, and look at what you did for that kid." There is alignment, and I think a lot of times what I'm saying is, "I see you, I see you, and I hear you, and I I, I know you." Um, as, a, as an individual and as a professional. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, what my teachers have given me a lot of feedback that um, this process, they, they don't put on a dog and pony. Um, you know, they're not trying to hit all 23 indicators and be like, I know if I say this, I've hit an indicator 2C. Instead, it's just, you know, it, it feels very different for them. Yeah, they're, they're showing you the real deal on it. And again, I think it comes back to what you did with your own context letter of revealing your own experience as a teacher and it wasn't always perfect. Um, that's gotta be huge. And so I think you started with one teacher, right, Matt, to try yeah. it with. And it sounds like it's expanded. More teachers are electing for this more authentic approach. Is that all your teachers now are on it or how many? Uh, everybody, everybody's on it. Uh, last year it was opt-in. Um, you know, like you had to say yes. And I had almost all teachers opt in. And when I asked some teachers, why didn't you do it? They said that context letter. <laughs> nervous about writing the context letter. Um, writing, I'll get I you. thought to myself, but you wanted the 23 indicators where I, where I rate you? You wanted that? Who wants that? Um, so, no, this year it was opt out. You know, this year it was, this is what I want to do. 
um, you can opt out and nobody opted out. Yeah. Nobody at all. Kind of, kind of a um, passive permission in a sense, you know, I'm just kind of maybe that little nudge for those people who are still unsure. That's a, that's a cool way to think about that. How do your, you mentioned your teachers give you feedback. What do they say about this process? And now that you've got, you've done it now a couple of years. I think mostly what they would say is that um, it doesn't feel stressful. You know, that, that, that it feels safe. Um, and, and so that's probably the most powerful thing um, that, I've, that I've gotten out of um, this period of time. Because I think that if we can create a very safe environment, um, probably a lot of us as principals say the same kind of thing, right? It's that, that idea that why don't we learn through failure and success? Why, why don't we learn by trying? And we say all those things, but there are all these immense pressures on teachers that to take those risks, um, that 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 can be that that can be a big step for a lot of people because there's way too many other pressures, and so if if really what I've gotten out of this period of time, just a little over a year, you know, with a pandemic lockdown in the middle of that, is that everybody feels safer about when I come into the classroom, then I'll I'll take that um, without a doubt. Um, I do get some really good back and forth conversations. Cause when I write a letter of reflection, it always ends with, now tell me what you're thinking. You know, tell me what you're thinking about what I said or the research that I shared. Sometimes where I quote research, I'll actually make a copy of that um, article and put it in their box. Um, and what do you think? And we can end up with a back and forth conversation. Some of my favorites are honestly, you know, where I might have a question that that does challenge. You know, I recently observed a teacher who wasn't posting learning targets and, it, and, and freely admitted it. I haven't posted a learning target in a while. And it was a great opportunity for me to say, tell me why. You know, why is it that you didn't do that? You know, philosophically, what is it a, a, that, that, that stopped you from doing that? Because to me, a learning target is foundational to a good lesson or a bad lesson, <laughs> to any lesson at all. Kids need to know what they're working towards. So this was a great moment for me to say, like, this is not a gotcha moment. I actually really want to know what, what is getting in the way, you know, and obviously the, the feedback could actually be time, but you know, my, my response on time is my son called me today and said, dad, I need you. I've just been in a car accident. I would get out of this building and go, he is that important to me, to me in lesson planning, the learning target is that important. I would never, ever not to create a lesson plan that didn't have a learning target and success criteria that everybody moved towards. So it was fantastic for me to ask, what stopped you from doing that? Like, what, what is your belief system? And I think that is rich to just ha to have it be a place where teachers don't feel scared to engage in that. It's not a gotcha. 
And you're feeling safe too, it sounds like, to share your own belief system about learning targets. and But in a way that's not confrontational, just here's where I'm at, here's where I understand you're at, and we're just trying to engage in a conversation versus a battle of wills. Because here's the, here's the, here's the truth. This teacher's um, evaluation around learning targets has already been written, right? We, it's already been written. Um, whatever rating she, she, that we agreed upon, she's gotten. And if somebody was to say, well, 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 Matt, but what if she doesn't do learning targets? Well, here's the thing. If I were to do a scheduled observation and rate her 23 indicators, do you think she'd have her learning targets up on that day? She'd have her learning targets up on that day. So the fact that she did it on that day that I came in out of compliance around a 23 indicator rubric, that is not as 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 rich and meaty as the conversation I get to have with her when she admits I didn't post. I haven't posted them in a while, and I get to say yeah. why. Yeah, you have established trust and relationships, and um, you're clear about what you're working on. And yeah, no, that's that's powerful. You know, there's a clear distinction between the traditional approach and you know your more learning centered uh, structure. What skills did you need to develop, Matt, to, in order to make this process successful? There's so many, like I laugh because I, I, am, I am just struggling every day in this and it, and it feels great. It's, it's the best part of my day is to engage in this struggle, which is writing a good reflection letter. Um, at first, when I thought about I have to kind of align, see if there's alignment between beliefs, actions, and research. I thought, well, how on earth am I going to do the research? I spend most of my evenings watching woodworking videos. I don't, I don't, I don't just peruse educational publications or read articles for fun. I don't do that. I was going to so, ask when you do, when do you read the research? Um, you mentioned the Marshall memo was one way you um, kind of stay on top of current uh, studies yeah that that was that was probably the one of the biggest benefits was somebody was saying get a get a access to the marshall memo the, that is that's an incredible resource um, because you know you just you know you want to give somebody feedback about shifting of the cognitive load or you know you want to give somebody some feedback about their feedback. Um, and you can only quote John Hattie's uh, effect size on feedback so many times before you're like, somebody give me, somebody give me an article that quoted John Hattie. There, there, there we go. Um, and so the Marshall Memo has uh, been incredible. And then, you know, now, now the gifts that I've received, my boss gave me a gift of um, access to uh, Jen David Lang's uh, um, summaries of books <laughs> and, and, and it's that was a great gift the other thing that i would say that i really benefited from is every time my boss walks into the building um i look and i say hey let, let's no chit chat let's get in classrooms and then we go into a classroom and she helps me write that letter of reflection and that has been one of the best gifts because to have two people writing a letter of reflection and me getting to benefit from when she looks for articles. Now I've got that article, you know, in my repository. I've got it that I can that I can take. And actually, 
she's doing that for a lot of people. So that's that was the hardest part was to to write a really good letter of reflection and find some good research for folks. And then I came across this idea that, you know, my school district had put out these look fors for when a teaching moves were effective. And, you know, each of the 23 indicators, they've got quite a few bullets of look fors underneath those. And I just thought, there's some language. I don't, I don't know that I have to, when I write about the teacher moves that I noticed and I want to write something that feels like, um, you know, it's worth people's time of reading and it really kind of matches what we, what we want to say in, in an educational world, in a professional world. Well, there it is. I was able to say, you know, when you're adapting, okay, let me look at the look for us. Oh, I'm seeing those things. Why don't I just pull that right in to my document of feedback? And that's been a nice way to marry the old process of rating 23 indicators with this new process of saying, these are the teacher moves that I noticed and using some of that language. It gives you the language to, to make it evidence-based and, and it's aligned and takes a little bit of the thinking work, you know, and try to be creative, which I struggle with sometimes. And, you know, what do I want to say exactly here? And just having those terms up is helpful. So I assume you would never go back to your former model. Um, no. no. <laughs> but what someone is thinking about, like me, truly kind of marrying, you know, authentic feedback and growth with an evaluation system, what would be some first steps in getting started in the process that you would recommend? I think I would ask you to reflect on this question that I was challenged with. So this, everything I'm talking about came from one of the most amazing intellects I've met in, in recent years, Miss Sam Bennett. And that that's who challenged me to think differently about this work. And she challenged me with this question. I would ask everybody to, to think it through as well. Do you think that your current process is getting you the results and getting teachers the results they want? And, and actually, honestly, I answered back very quickly. I said, yes, it is. Because when I rate a teacher ineffective or partially effective, the next time I go in, they have absolutely made a change. But then I, you know, the question I think came up with, well, what happens if you go in the next time or the time after? And I thought, no, it's, it's compliance, right? The, the current system I have is about compliance and it doesn't feel good. What I hear teachers say to me is they're nervous. Even the very best of them who say, you can come in anytime you want, Matt, because we've all heard that. Come in anytime you want. I don't change a thing. The fact is, when I walk in, I notice a change, either in the voice or just in some of the moves. If I've got a computer with me, there's a change. And so I recognize that the old system wasn't what I wanted. I didn't want a compliance-based system. I didn't want to worry 
in November, if I had gotten through all the pieces the district required me to do, or again in April, and how many of us have written evaluations on Saturday nights in April, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to worry about compliance. I wouldn't worry about authentic growth, something that the teacher wanted. And so that's what I would say to everybody first to get started. Ask that question of yourself. Are you getting what you want? Are your teachers getting what you want? Because if you're not, then that is the definition of insanity. Yeah. You have to think about something different. And my guess is every, you know, your school district, like my school district, probably offers some flexibility around, um, you know, how you do that. Yeah, and especially this year with observing Zooms and um, all kind of creative ways to get in the classroom. So, well, this is uh, very helpful, Matt. Just remind me, which district are you out of? You're in um, in Colorado. Yeah. That's right. Best district in Colorado. Now we're yep. in, I'm, in, I'm in Jefferson County, ah. uh, Jeffco Schools, which is on the west side of Denver. Um, we're we're a good sized school district, over eighty thousand kids, and uh, I'm super proud of this district. We've been mm -hmm. I've been here uh, twenty years, uh, no, nineteen years, nineteen years. It's but it's um, you know I think it's it's forward thinking, forward looking, and um, you know, definitely been given some grace around thinking through a different uh, process here. Mm -hmm.